passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. That's right. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, what's up, guys? Freddie Kraft here, and today on Door Bumper Clear, we talk all things Las Vegas. Kyle Busch's questionable truck spin. Kyle Larson winning. A spotter changing batteries while his car crashed. Reaction Theater plus much more. Let's go. Nobody's listening, but I don't care. I'm on an episode of Door Bumper Clear. Hey, everybody. I'm TJ Majors, spotter of the 22 Cup car, the one truck, and uh, almost a full house. We just can't seem to get it together. What's up, everybody? Brett Griffin. I'm here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, coming to you from the Dirtle, uh, spotter for Colleague Racing when they run the Cup car. And Freddie, man, I was pulling for you yesterday. What happened? Pulling for me? That wasn't long. <laughs> it's just that didn't last the 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 cheering for me did not last very long first yesterday. two laps no I, I think we got we got past the uh, comp caution and then i don't know uh an o-ring pumped uh, out of the power steering pump blew out or something and that was the uh that was the end of our day we were five laps down we made up what we, we made up no ten. power steering uh, he said it locked up and i don't I, you know I they don't said know. that on the broadcast in oil leaks that so. never stopped kale yeah, <laughs> he basically. I he went in the corner. They sent like we came down pit road, and he worked on it. <laughs> I can't imagine going to the corner with no power steering and be like. And then he came back out and he was running like probably three quarter throttle maybe, and drove into turn one and went straight up the racetrack. And I was like, oh boy, this we're not gonna be able to make many laps like this. And then luckily the caution came out and we got to work on it and fix it. Yeah. So we only lost about five laps. So we made up ten spots, which is kind of a big deal, you know, in that position. But yeah, just kind of. Bum luck for yesterday, but the car was fast. Uh, Speeding we, doesn't help. No, yeah, well, that was him, of course, <laughs> pushing his limits on the first that comp caution. But the car was fast once we got out there and everything fixed up, so it's encouraging. Well, hopefully we'll move forward and, and uh, get, keep getting better. I'm uh, disappointed in Brett that he's in Myrtle Beach and did not use this opportunity to sing one of his favorite songs to recognize. Uh, there's too it, much cussing in that song. <laughs> <laughs> he never misses a chance to talk to to rap about Myrtle Beach, and he just did. So that's disappointing. You should contribute to the swear jar for that. <laughs> you can still call in. Can't, and... You can't beat a good Sonny Lefford song, man. 
<laughs> no, people, people that weren't around here in the early two thousands and stuff are never gonna never gonna understand what that means. But um. <laughs> you remember the last time we saw Sonny Ledford in concert? Um, barely. <laughs> Denny Hamlin, uh, Denny Hamlin won the Cup race. Elliot won the Xfinity race in Talladega, and so Freddie and I went to celebrate. Um, me and Elliot winning, and then Denny shows up celebrating the fact that he won. And I think uh, I've never seen so many fireball shots in my life that day. That Where was, was that at? The rudder. Oh the yeah, rudder. yeah. Oh, <laughs> which is I which is now thing. the masculine uh, Hello Sailor. That's the new name of the rusty rudder. And that was also so. back when you could race on Sunday and get home in time for dinner and then go out. Yeah, I think this was a Monday, or this was like I know. Yeah. was it Cinco de Mayo? This was this where the Cinco, it was Cinco de, Mayo, de Mayo Cinco de Mayo started. Yeah. We did used to race yeah, Talladega, I actually though, got early. lost on a freaking boat that night. So I left. <laughs> my buddy Travis picked me up, and I said, uh, hey, I'll be home around 8 o'clock. All right, so it's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, I'll be home by 8. Travis is picking me up by boat. So Travis comes to pick me up, and we end up staying way too late at the rudder. So we go to get on the boat, and he puts the key in the ignition, and he turns the key, and it breaks. And he looks at me, and I said, well, the good news is the boat's running. And, and he's like, well, that's true. I said, so all we got to do now is just get home. He's like, all right. So um, long story short, Travis didn't know the lake that well at night. Well, I didn't know that. So when we left, I thought he knew where he was going after about a 30-minute boat ride. I said, hey, Travis, where are we at? He turned and looked at me. And I don't know if you've ever been on a lake at night, but it's a, it's a hard place to navigate if you're not familiar with it. He said, I don't know. And I said, well, when you came out, did we go right? Did we go straight? Or did we go left? He said, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, we're screwed. So I just went and laid down, went to sleep. And long story short, uh, woke up when we hit his boat dock in the middle of the night, went and got in bed. I got home at the next morning. That went over real well. I, I called Brett the next day because it's normal to call and be like, oh, man, we were, I'm hung over. And I call him at like 8 o'clock, and he's like, I'm about to call you back. I'm almost home. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you're almost home? He said, no. yeah, I'm just, I'm just getting home now. I said, oh, okay. Long story. I'll talk to you later. That's not good. <laughs> Your yeah. poor wife. Nothing like a good Cinco de Mayo party. Uh, All right. Well, now that we uh, got that done, we still have to finish introductions. Hey, I'm Casey Vote, <laughs> and I'm only here because Brett decided not to come. <laughs> and we uh, can't forget our lovely producer, Jason. Hey, what's up? Whatever. Next person. Casey, <gasps> Casey's giving me dirty looks already this morning because I'm wearing the wrong midget team shirt. <laughs> I know. What is I've, wrong with I've you? I've started this new this new deal where I'm going to start wearing short track shirts, and the first person to send me a shirt this year was Tyler Corbett. Well, I liked your shirt last week. Last week was good, Walkopedia. That, that's kind of what got me the ball rolling because I've seen some people like positive, like, oh, that's cool for Walkopedia. So I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe I can turn this into something like bring attention to certain people. So Tyler's the first one. I know um, – Wyndham needs to send you a shirt. Wyndham will send me a shirt. I told Wyndham that I don't want a shirt. I want the Big Daddy suit. Like, you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know this, YouTube Chris Wyndham Big Daddy, and it's a red skin-tight suit that he's running around in calling himself Big Daddy. And uh, that's how he got the nickname Big Daddy. But, yeah, so Sunshine was first. He sent me a shirt. I got to give a shout-out to um, Rizzy, his old, his former crew chief. He says he's a big fan of the show. And he says the only two podcasts he listened to were Dober and Clear and Call Our Daddy. So obviously he has his priorities in a line there with Clearly. us. So, yeah, but yeah, every week I'm gonna I see some over here on the couch already. Um, so we're gonna wear some shirts for some short track guys. And what's just, the other podcast? 
Call Our Daddy from uh, Barstool. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of it. That's a good you one. You never heard that podcast? No, we I talked about you it. listen to it every week. This, we, is, no. this, so, this is right up your alley. Oh, man, <laughs> this take is a, a disaster, listen. this podcast. It makes us look very tame. <laughs> oh, uh, um, take a listen then. But yeah, send them shirts in short trackers, and I'll, if I like it, I'll wear it. If it fits, I'll wear it. That's Get him that's, a That sounds hard to do. Yeah, medium. Sure. No, he's a, yeah, he's yeah. Casey was like, "We're uh, like, give me a dirty look." I'm like, "Well, I would wear a Chad Boat shirt, but the last one I have is a medium, and I got it six years ago." I'm surprised so, you still have that. <laughs> I don't think I still have. <laughs> is it. Is there like vomit all over? I, you know it? what I did? I, I I cut. I was gonna wear it. I cut the sleeves off it. I was gonna wear it to Brett's for um, when we were doing them the virtual races. We were doing them live feeds because I figured I'd look like a redneck if I cut the shirt off and wore a bunch of jorts. Uh, you look like a redneck no matter what you. Yeah, got. that doesn't yeah, really probably do much. But yeah, so that was fun. But yeah. Shout out to Sunshine. Oh, rude. Wyndham, <laughs> send Freddie a shirt. So it looks like it's summertime the way Freddie's dressed. It looked like TJ's off to a blizzard. TJ, <laughs> what are you wearing? A coat? <laughs> Dude, it's, it was 29 degrees out this morning. I wore... I got pants on. TJ's got shorts. So under the table, it's a different story. <laughs> uh, I don't want to see that part. I'm good. And yeah. yours is TJ's is like a windbreaker. So it is he thinks that he's going in like a I, I walked outside. We got off the plane last night, and I was like... Shorts were a bad idea on the way home. <laughs> oh, it was cold when we got off. It, was, it was warm during the day. It was cold last night. And it was cold this morning, too. I got down here. I got down here and I spent like $7,000 at the grocery store to feed all these kids. And I got everything unpacked. And the one thing I need to make eggs and, and grits and I, everything that I made for breakfast is butter. I had no butter. So I had to get up this morning, go back and get butter. <laughs> you say butter really weird. Butter. I never buttered butter. my eggs. All right. Well, anyways. How was Vegas? Oof. Yeah. Not good for me. <laughs> we knew that one. Um, it was okay. I mean, we didn't run very well. We didn't. Uh, no, you didn't. We didn't have. We probably were going to finish seventh, eighth on a on the best we could have done, and uh, we ended up ninth. So that's about where average where we ran most of the day. Just normal. We just weren't that good. So I think coming out of there with the top ten is uh, decent. Could have been a lot worse. We didn't have any penalties to take ourselves out or anything. So we were able to get everything we thought we could out of the day and on to Phoenix. It, it could have been a lot worse. You could have been in a Stuart Haas car. Yeah, they were uh, – I was really surprised to see, um, you know, Kevin Kevin being, you know, that bad. I'm not sure what he was fighting. I didn't I didn't listen or they, anything. I oh, So we were having a restart, obviously, last every restart and then come back through there. And the 14, the 14 and the 41 were – awful like yeah. i felt like they were terrible kevin was in front of us one time and had some damage he had like a tire rub and you never yeah. know if that maybe knocked the crush panel loose or something that is you know the underbody of these cars is huge so 41 was okay the, i mean i mean the 41 was awful i mean once we got rolling we were single file we were it took us a little while to catch him and that was we were running ninth when that was so no. i mean you sure it's the 41 yeah the 41 i think was dead no, last it was, all race. it was the 41 then the 48 he was in the 20s hit. every time i saw he, i'm pretty sure he was i'm just saying it, once, it, it once he got spread out i don't know what happened to get him there but once he got spread out he seemed to have okay speed by himself i cory lajoy passed him at one point so i don't know yeah what i mean he was i know andy houston was standing next to me spotting for him and he was just irate pretty much the whole race but yeah. it's just shocking to see as good as the four has been all year last year even the 10 had a lot of speed last year a lot of times, and, and they were just non-factors all day yesterday. Yeah, that's weird because that's one of the four, that's one of the tracks the four was known to be super fast at with this package. Yeah, I think he had a little bit of damage maybe on his right front, but the other three guys, based on what I could I could see on TV, is they were just way off on speed. Obviously, Eric ended up getting in a wreck. 
Uh, I think Chase Briscoe's realized that he's not in the best car in the field anymore like he used to be in the Xfinity Series. He could go out there and wear everybody out. I mean, Kevin won, what, nine races last year. He was the only driver to win, though, you know, and that kind of says something to me. I mean, you look back a couple years ago, Eric was winning, Kurt Busch was winning, Clint was winning, Kevin was winning. So as an organization, Stuart Haas looked extremely strong. Last year, Kevin just looked really strong. So I think you're just kind of seeing that keep playing out. And, and look, man, they're going to have to get to work and get to work fast. The good news is we don't have mile and a half for a little while, right? I mean, you got Atlanta, but Atlanta's its own animal uh, in terms of grip, mechanical grip. So I, I think they'll have to get to work on the arrow piece because, TJ, it looked like to me you guys were hauling the mail through the corner yesterday. Uh, yeah, we might not have been personally, but um, we uh, the fast cars were – I mean, we weren't we weren't like terrible off. I mean, we weren't just where we should have been. But yeah, those cars are. We were three wide for the lead there, for three laps straight. I don't know if you saw that part. That was that was. I didn't. That's impressive to see three cars stay three wide for three laps straight like that for the lead. I saw um, four wide a ton. Hands down, the best three races I've ever seen back to back to back among all three series at the same racetrack, Las Vegas. I mean, outside of speed weeks, when I go to Daytona, um, you know you're going to see four amazing races, five amazing races from Thursday to Sunday. If you'd have told me Las Vegas is going to be just like Daytona Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'd have never believed you. Holy cow. Every single series put on a phenomenal show. If you're a race fan in that market, you better get your freaking phone out and get tickets immediately for this fall because that was awesome. Yeah, restarts are nuts. All the series. Um but it was uh, you just got different like the bottom. The bottom's good, but you got the bumps. You got the once the tires wear out a little bit, and there was a little bit of wear. It seemed like you could tell a difference in tires. Um, For sure. I'd like, I'd like to see a little bit more, but you know it's still good to see guys were you know able to use the fence still a little bit and stuff like that. So that's always good. And I mean, I thought the stands were packed. I think you. Couldn't even get tickets, which is impressive. Well, they, they how many did they sell? Like fifteen thousand. I think they. I don't think they. I think they just sold that grandstand that was in front of us. So yeah. they were, you know, they were kind of compact. But I think it was, yeah, somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand. I think there were quite a few like industry members yeah. who yeah. reached out to me asking for tickets and couldn't get them. So yeah. Well, any stories from the strip? I know since Brett wasn't there, Freddie, you might have stayed out of trouble. Uh, nope, that's not true. But. <laughs> um, it, it was tough. Like, so we, I only stayed on the strip Friday night and, uh, like people are now, everybody's back in Vegas, but all the restaurants and bars and stuff are like 25 or 50% capacity. So you can't get in anywhere unless you have, you know, unless you made reservations two days in advance. So like the chandelier bar that we hang out a lot, couldn't get in reservations only. So we bounced around to a couple different bars, couldn't get in. And then, um, hung out in the sports book, uh, met the Zane Smith family, hung out with him for a while. That was fun. Uh, and just me, Doug Campbell, just hung out. Tony Hirschman, just kind of no no real trouble. Not, not Nothing on Brett's level when I'm normally a little bit. I've never had trouble getting in anywhere. You should have called me. Yeah. <laughs> you you might have actually had trouble unless we called in Thursday to get these reservations. But Even Saturday night, you try to go to dinner somewhere. You go. We went at like 6 o'clock. We went to go in a few places. Uh, nope. Yeah. What's your weight? Uh, earliest now would be about eight thirty. I'm like, okay. Yeah. We went to just. We tried to go to a place. Me and Tyler went to go to a place for lunch, and it was, it was like outdoor on the strip, like outside on the yeah. strip, and it was over an hour and a half wait or something like that for lunch. So I was like, well, okay. Well. So boring. I was expecting some stories. No, there's nothing to do. I was, you know. So I, how much weight did you lose, Freddie? Uh, I'm down eleven pounds, as a matter of fact. <laughs> 
Holla. That's strong. How, how about you? I'm probably up 11. <laughs> Between uh, the Carolina baseball game, snow skiing last week, and now I'm at the beach, man. So you might be breaking I'm even. it up, brother. Are you like officially yeah, retiring? Because be you are doing everything possible. Like He was retired before this. Yeah. I don't know what you think's changed, except for you don't got to go on Sunday. <laughs> well, you are living your best life. Cool. Let's do oh, look it. who it is. Hey, good morning, Shrek. <laughs> who who is this stranger? <laughs> As he like tries to sneak back in. in the house. Yeah. yeah. Listen. Hey donkey. <laughs> He's even wearing a green shirt. <laughs> and Jason Jason's face lights up. Jason's oh, Jason's yeah. tail's wagging. <laughs> <laughs> get you a get you a girl that looks at looks at donor like Jason looks at him. <laughs> All right, Casey, I think we should move on. <laughs> yeah, no. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said. He's going to... Or who said Jason's tail's wagging? <laughs> that was right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he, he's going to uh, cut all of this out of the show. Yeah. Nah, he needs to leave it in. Well, before we kick things off, let's hear more about our presenting sponsor, OfferPad. Let's get ready to sell. Home selling with OfferPad is as easy as... Welcome to OfferPad. How can we help? List with Flex and get our house ready to show. Ooh. That's home listing with muscle. House updates to help us sell for more. Sure. Reno Advance. Our team is on it. When we're through, this place is going to look amazing. You know, I have this feeling. It's never wrong. Offer Pad Flex. We got this. A better way to list your home. Start your free sales request at OfferPad.com today. Man, it's a big week for our presenting sponsor, OfferPad. Not only is the race in OfferPad's home market of Phoenix, they'll also be sponsoring Denny Hamlin's car. Did you say Offer Pad is on Denny Hamlin's car this weekend? That's that's like the greatest thing I've ever heard. Well, Fred, if you want to show your support for Denny, why not sell your home in Charlotte using Offer Pad and then buy a new one in Phoenix? TJ, that's probably the smartest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Phoenix is a great area to live, and if you want to buy or sell your home there, make sure you check out OfferPad.com. If I lived in Phoenix, I would have to buy a lifetime supply of sunscreen because it is warm every time I go to Phoenix. Take five minutes, fill out the form about your current home, and request your offer. You got, you'll get a cash offer in 24 hours and be ready to go buy a home in Phoenix. Go sell your home with OfferPad today, and when asked where you heard about OfferPad, select the NASCAR option so they know we sent you. Spot on, spot off. Kyle Busch says nope when asked to explain his spin in the truck series race. How about Freddie, since he's not paying attention? How do you know I'm not paying attention? I'm not just reading my notes that I put up. So sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, smart guy. I mean, why would you say anything but nope? I, I think we learned last year that if you hint that you might have done this on purpose, it cost you roughly $50,000, give or take. Was it last year or the year before? Uh, it might have been the year before. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because we was in the garage when there's people around. Um, I, listen, I don't have any issues with this. The guy's only there to win the race. He's got a flat tire. His only shot to now win the race is spin himself out. And while the sanctioning body continues to show you that they're not going to do anything about this, there's no reason not to go and spin yourself out. So kudos to Kyle Busch. Gave himself a chance to win the race. I just thought he had a flat tire and lost it. No. Okay. Nope. Just like you're <laughs> never blocking. Don't know Brett. what you're talking about. Nope. Uh, my favorite part of this whole situation was actually that Austin Dillon told the fan base the truth. He said, wow, it was amazing how much car control Kyle had running wide open up on the banking to not wreck. And then when he slowed down and got on the flat part of the apron, 
he proceeded to wreck, which tells us it was intentional. Um, Kyle Busch's comment, nope, I mean, spot on. He learned from Bubba, you don't run your mouth, it's a $50,000 fine. But at what point are we going to let this continue? Freddie said he's only there to win the race. That's all the more reason to not throw the caution. There was no, if all he did was went down to the bottom, did a donut. Stay under green. Don't stop the whole freaking race and the whole series for this one guy. It was frustrating as a fan to watch that play out because you knew, and Austin said on TV, it was intentional. They got to do something for this. They cannot let this keep happening with these guys. Then you saw Cendric the next day had the exact same thing play out. He does the honorable thing, and he actually gets to the apron, and he catches a caution as a break, one of which he didn't create. So one guy did it right, one guy did it wrong. Mike Joy's tweet from last week. Jason, you want to read that? Yep. In the donkey's voice, please. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. Who's that? Who's the actor? Practice Eddie, it for Murphy. next week. Yeah, yeah. Mike Joy tweeted last week, our sport has always had funded drivers, funded in quotes, but it's high time a few of these privileged kids powered by daddy's pile of cash realize the whole sport doesn't exist just to make their dreams come true. Take some time to learn from those who've worked their way to the top. Brett, spot on, spot off. And maybe maybe give some background as to why he said this, his reasoning behind it. Uh, I mean, look, it, it, it certainly seemed to me that this tweet was directed at Noah Gragson. And it seemed to me that Mike Joy was taking a shot, essentially saying daddy's money paid for Noah Gragson to, to live out his dreams that Noah's never worked for anything or done anything. And Mike's certainly entitled to his opinion. Um, and Mike's obviously been around the sport and seen a lot more than I've seen. But the reality is every single driver in this sport at the Cup Series level has a trail of money behind them from somewhere. And the majority of those people started off racing on daddy's money. It's just the way it is. I mean, Clint's dad owned a record service. Elliot Sadler's dad owned uh, car dealerships. Dale Jr.'s dad is Dale Earnhardt. Um, if you're trying to tell me that, that a lot of these Cup guys right now started out at the lower feeder series and found their own sponsors and worked their way up, Hey, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. But I don't think that's the case at all. I, I look at NASCAR Cup Series racing in general, and here's the reality of it. I have a kid that's eight years old. I can afford to go buy a baseball, a baseball glove and a pair of cleats, and we can go play baseball. And he's a good little baseball player. I cannot afford to buy a go-kart, tires, a trailer, a truck to pull the trailer, a mechanic to work on it. And do that every single week for 40 weeks a year. That is very expensive. All of these guys have a trail of money behind them. Where I'm most disappointed in this tweet is, if you're going to subtweet somebody, just say their name. Like, I don't know what you mean by privileged kids. Because privileged kids, what is, what is Chase Elliott? What is Joey Logano? What is Ryan Blaney? I can keep going down the top 20 in points in the Cup Series. And they all came from the exact same thing. So I'm spot off on the fact that he did this tweet and didn't say specifically, Noah Gragson, go work on a race car. You'll appreciate it more. Because that's what he was trying to say. TJ, what do you think? Huh. Man, I, it's Brett's got a good point. There's even the, you know, coming up through, it takes money to race no matter what. Whether it's a go-kart, um, whether it's a late model, street stock, it costs money to race. And whether they start there, which most of them do start at the lower series, but they... Um, they start off in with a lot of a lot of great equipment, and that's not the way. Like when I started racing, I didn't. We worked on a on my car in my backyard, and we couldn't work on it if it was raining because we didn't have a garage. It was literally on four blocks in my backyard in the grass, 
um, had one grain scale and three other blocks when we were going to scale it. It took us like three and a half hours to scale the car because we'd have to do the math every time we weighed each corner. I don't think uh, many many have to do things like that, but it's you know not their fault that they're in that situation. But you know, I, I do I do appreciate the kids more that put more time in and appreciate it and don't just rip fenders off because they're mad at somebody or tear the car up because they're not the ones that have to go back and fix it. Whenever you know a lot of lot, when you short track racing like. The locals, they uh, when they tear their stuff up, they got to fix it, and it costs them money. And a lot of guys don't; they can't get that new fender every week. When I would rip the right front of the late model off or, or dent the right front fender, I had to go there to take the fender off, take it over the the eight shop, and roll it in an English wheel because we weren't <laughs> Dell Junior. I uh, couldn't afford a new one. Um, but it was good to learn lessons like that. And a lot of these kids don't have them; they don't; they just haven't had to do a lot of that stuff. So there's kind of I see I see both sides of it, but I don't I don't think it's their fault a lot of the times that that's you know the situation they're in. Yeah, I mean, and and like Brett said, everybody's got a trail, and everybody's dad can carry them to X amount of level. You know, Bubba's dad funded his racing career up until we got to the K N series, and then he you know he had a we got the diversity deal, but that was as far as Bubba's dad could take Bubba. You know, so somebody's dad might get him a super late model, and that's it, or somebody's dad could pay for an Arca ride, like uh, you know. Uh, who knows, but like Noah's dad can fund him pretty much anywhere he wanted to go or Noah's family anyway. So that, that's not Noah's fault. But like you said, you know, it's, it's, we talked about it last week. No, Noah is very polarizing and he makes himself easy for people to take shots at him like this because of his attitude sometimes and the way he treats And even like just going back at the end of the week and listening to him say, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I mean, nothing. You wouldn't have done nothing differently. I think you would probably should have done something differently if you wanted to win the race. But you know, it is what it is, and and it it's it, like you said, it's guys that you know. Yes, there's some guys that may put in more time. There's guys that might work harder, but you know, they're all in the same boat. They're they've all come from some kind of privileged background, and there's no Mike gets paid. Freddie Mike Joy gets paid to cover these drivers. This he's insulting. Like if, if you and I got out a pen and a sheet of paper right now, we went down the list. The majority of guys in the Cup Series have wealthy fathers. Oh, a hundred percent. And there's nobody. And I, there's, I mean, if you, I'll, t- I mean, I'll put this across Cup and Xfinity. Like, reach out to us if you are the guy that bought your own mini stock and went racing on Saturday nights and worked your way up to Matt Ladder or street stocks and then local late models, whatever it is, and earned your own sponsors because I, I don't know of that guy in the, in the sport. You know what I mean? I know guys have, have worked up them levels, but it's usually with some kind of family money, and then they either get a sponsor along the way or, you know, hit on something right. But there's, I mean, you know, people are going to bring up Kyle Larson. Well, Kyle Larson was funded by a lot, you know, a lot of people behind had behind him, you know, the Abrews, uh, a lot of people f- helped Kyle Larson along the way. Christopher Bell had help along the way. You know, these these guys, there's nobody out there that doesn't have some kind of trail of money behind them to, you know, you want to call them entitled, whatever it is, but it's, you know, they've earned it or or it's a family deal. But, you know, I, I, I don't understand going after these guys when it's not like, Noah's not the only one by and any means. And it's not, no. it just might not be as broadcasted, but there are guys that have investors from when the time they were little oh, that yeah. is just, they're just not promoted or their names are not on the car. Um, I could name quite a few. So every, I think, I think every he driver. is just he is just more vocal, and so it comes out in a different light. I would say every driver has a trail, a little bit of money behind him somewhere to start to get to where they are today. Like there's something 
like what Freddie said, though, some of them can only carry them so far. So along the way, you have to build them relationships and make you know impress people and do things like that. And that's kind of a uh, that's kind of like what Ross has done, in my opinion. He didn't have the most money of all the kids coming up. He had a little bit, but he impressed the right people. So I agree. Something to be said about that. Kyle Larson wins in his fourth race back after being reinstated. Spot on, spot off, TJ. Uh, well, spot off from my Twitter last night. <laughs> but um, I don't think, honestly, I don't think any of this is really surprising anybody. Kyle Larson is obviously one of the guys that we think that can go and get in any car, Formula One car, Sprint car, Indy car, and he's going to be fast. So, um, and we, uh, I think we talked about it. I picked him to win Homestead, but he got in there, and I knew he'd be fast. Yet, I mean, those cars are quick there, and he he was that car was so fast he could run a tenth better than second whenever almost whenever he wanted to. So, you put a you put a a talent like Kyle in a car that like that, he's going to be really hard to beat. So congrats to them guys. And Tyler Mon, I don't know if that's in here. Yeah. Um, I getting his first win wasn't even really supposed to be in that job. And here he gets his first cup win. That's always exciting. And, you know, I don't, Freddie hasn't really experienced a, a point win yet, but you know, Brett has, and it's a big deal, man, to get your first win and, and be in that situation. So congrats to them guys. I, I just think we're really in trouble when he figures his package out because as, as good as he's doing right now, learning it, I mean, we're going to be screwed when he figures it out. We're in trouble for the next handful of races. <laughs> I'm telling you, that car yesterday was unbelievable. He could go anywhere he wanted. He could turn down, t- turn underneath somebody anytime he wanted, turn up, go around somebody anytime he wanted. It was, you could tell after a couple laps, once they got singled out, he was. Could you tell he, that, Brett? He was the guy to beat. And I, I tell you what, it, it was really impressive to watch how uh, dominant that car was. We saw the same thing the day before with A.J. Allmendinger on long runs. Again, a dominant car, and he just was shredding the racetrack up, man. But the the thing about Kyle, it kind of reminds me, man, of when uh, Kevin Harvick left RCR for Stuart Haas Racing. And when he got to Stuart Haas Racing, he set the world on fire because he got out of fast cars and got into very fast cars. And I think Kyle Larson has just done the same thing. I think everybody's going to look back and say, wow, this kid's always been this good. He just didn't have the equipment to show it. And now that he's got the equipment under him, look out. The other thing that I thought was kind of cool about this weekend is we're in a brand new season and three of the four guys that have won already are in brand new relationships with their crew chief. It's a brand new driver crew chief pairing. When you look at Rudy and Byron, when you look at Larson, when you look at the, uh, who was the other winner? McDowell, no. Uh, Bell. Uh, Bell. Bell, no, Bell. Yeah, Bell and his crew chief, right? So, like, man, I don't ever recall a season where we had three weeks in a row where the winner, the winning driver, had a brand-new crew chief that year. Like, for that to kind of be playing out, I think it just says we may see a whole lot of winners this year, and those guys that are back there riding around wanting to be 14th, 15th, 16th in points, they're in trouble. If you recall this time, around this time last year, would you, I mean, people said he will never be back in NASCAR. I can't remember what you all thought, but do you think by this, like right now, where he already has a win? I think we all said he'd be back. Yeah, we knew this he, year. He's way too. T- yeah, we pretty much we knew he wasn't gonna yeah. be back last year, but we you knew he was. There, he's way too talented not to be there, and you knew somebody at some point was gonna give him an opportunity, Sp- sponsorship or not, obviously. And I saw an interesting tweet from Landon Castle where he was like, you know, there's some sponsors sitting on the fence all off season, like you know, we want to jump on this guy, but uh, you know, maybe not. 
now he's kind of forcing their hand. Third in points, been fast every race. Probably be higher in points if he didn't wreck late at uh, the road course. Yeah, um, but he might even be leading him. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he probably I think won he's, the race. Yeah, he was I mean, probably going to win the race. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, just an incredible start to the year, and and, and this is this could potentially drive up sponsor dollars, which was the big concern about getting him back in the car. Um, but like you guys said, awesome for Tyler Mon, uh, Cliff Daniels, his first win as a crew chief, I believe. So that's for, great for them guys. And I mean, looking at it, uh, by my math, we've got three out of the four winners were not in the playoffs last year. So you're going to see you're going to see a shakeup to that, to that final sixteen, I think, this year. One uh, one thing that you were talking about there that I don't think many people could notice is I saw the nine do it and I saw the five do it. Twenty four as well. They could go into turn one in like two and a half, three lanes up and turn down in the middle of the corner, like wherever they wanted to. Did you know? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. we could not do that. No. Like. It was – they were legit like drive – like look like RC cars, wherever they wanted to go in the corner. I mean, we were like – we were struggling in the middle of the corner. Like we, we were having some handling issues. And those guys, we couldn't hold them off. I mean, there's just – when you can go in up top and turn down before the middle of the corner and then just go wherever you want, that's tough to beat. Yeah. So that five – Hendrick Motorsports is car. back, man. It's been a long time since Hendrick Motorsports has looked as good as they looked these first few weeks. And we're off to Phoenix where – Literally, Chase Elliott, I think, could have lapped the field at the last race of the year last year. So it'll be interesting to see what plays out there because, to TJ's point, those cars are fast. They're turning. And I've got offer pad this week. We've got a big sweep, man. I'm going out to Phoenix to host those guys. Offer pad on Denny's car. I'll be watching from right under you guys. I'll come see you on the roof before the race starts. Please, Bring please, you some, uh, some like ice cold beverages and cookies. Hey, Listen. Before, before we get off of this topic, Brett, when do you think uh... – at what point? What was the turning point for the Hendrick speed here lately? You think, in the last maybe the last five races last year and in the, in the first few this year? Hey man, I, I hate to say this, Freddie, uh, but I think it's ECR engines. I think when you look at um, the swap that happened right there, and it really started around the playoffs when Hendrick started tapping into that ECR horsepower. I think those guys forming that alliance for this motor program puts them on the same field with the Roush Yates engines and the Toyota engines. And, man, Hendrick's back. I mean, I think they realized they were at a deficiency on horsepower, and Mr. Hendrick's a smart guy, and when he has a problem, he's going to fix it. He fixed it. I think um, I think what started this as well was the new nose. When they got that new nose beginning of last year, I think it was, yeah. I think they fine-tuned that out throughout the year. That new nose was pretty big. It's got a lot more downforce on it compared to their old one. Yeah, you've seen last year, I think, like Brett was talking about, we knew this kind of towards the end of last year this was going on. Um you know, the new nose obviously helped, but then they kind of lost a little bit of speed. I don't know if they took something away in the middle of the year. They didn't really have the same speed they started the year with. Yeah. But then towards the end of the year, playoffs, the, once we got to the mile, the first mile and a half in the playoffs, we had heard that maybe the, the 9 and the 24, the guys that were in the playoffs were running legit just straight-up ECR motors for that race. And they started taking off. And at the same time, Austin Dillon started taking off. So you don't know if that was maybe some note sharing, like, you know, all right, you know, we'll run your motors. You give us some – some body, you know, body help here. Uh, so it was, you know, it was a good collaboration from helping each other because yeah. they both got faster at the end of the year there, and they've both been carrying it on pretty well. But the, them Hendrick cars this year are are stout to say the least. They've won three of the last five races, no denying that. Well, they know how to. I mean, they know how to find straight line speed as well. They've been on a pole for the five hundred for what three years now, right? Yeah. Spot on, spot off. Eric Jones scores a top 10 in the 43 before Bubba Wallace does so in the 23. Freddie? 
Spot off, man. The hell with them guys. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That 43 was a missile yesterday, man. I, uh, and we were pretty good there last year. But, like, drop of the rag, he, I, he started deep because they had a problem at uh, Homestead. And he drove up to – I think he was in the top 15 before the end of the first stage there. So, uh, kudos to them guys. I love JB, Jerry Baxter. He's he's our adopted grandfather. So, uh, it was good for them. And and we were solid there last year. We ended up getting a sixth-place finish, I think, with a little bit of strategy at the end. So, the car was good there last year. You go back to your notebook and, and just run a little bit better. Unfortunately, we uh, we didn't have the luck we needed yesterday. I think we probably potentially could have run in the top ten if we didn't have any problems. But, uh, oh, no, we'll never know. But good for them guys. I'm happy for Jerry. Happy for the guys at 43. Uh, pretty tight with all them guys still, so it was good to see them run good yesterday. TJ, uh, spot on for them guys. Good run. Um, I, I probably I saw this going differently myself, but you know, uh, solid run. Like, but like uh, Freddie said, they were good there last year, and it was uh, it's good for them, good for Eric and them to get a good race under their belt now to build off of and and go to the next one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to look at the Bubba Wallace piece here and, and spot off this statement, the fact that Eric Jones gets top 10 before Bubba does. And, and, and look, man, it takes time. I mean, we just talk, talked about, you know, new driver, crew chief pairings going out winning a race. Well, that's not what Bubba's in. Bubba's in a brand new race team and in a situation with a new driver, crew chief pairing. So um, spot off for it being Bubba. Spot on, though, for the 43 car. Big deal. All right, spot on, spot off. Ty Dillon's spotter in the Xfinity Series race claims his battery died and was changing batteries when his driver crashed. TJ. I think Brett should go first on this one. <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, when I first heard it, I thought there's no <laughs> way this is possible because the radio that I use for 20-plus years warns you when it's about to die. And why would anybody else use anything other than the radios that would warn you when they're about to die? Then when the second thing is when your radio dies on channel one without any warning, you hear it because we listen to ourselves. I'm assuming that Drew Herring listens to himself. And essentially what that means is we have one radio we talk with and another radio gives us feedback. So when we push that little button and we don't hear anything, we instantly panic. And if I had been doing this, and it's easy for me to say this because I'm a veteran spotter, I would have taken my other radio, flipped it to channel one, and I would have used that button to continue spotting because the last thing that you can do on a restart is be absent. And if you're absent, you see what happens. It costs a huge wreck. So um, I found out later from Freddie that Drew was using a different radio, which did not alert him that he was not able to continue to spot, which that's stupid. I wouldn't do that. But then he made a huge error when he didn't go use a second radio. So I think this is a situation where uh, Drew has a lot of inexperience on the roof. This is his first year up there. He didn't know what to do, and he panicked. And I don't think those radios are easy to maneuver in terms of changing batteries anyway. And he obviously was a huge deficiency to his driver, and he got him wrecked. But I bet you in the future if this happens, he'll do things a lot differently. I love Drew Herring. He's a great dude, obviously a racer, a very talented race car driver. Um, but, man, you, you, cannot, you cannot put yourself in a position to do this because he just ruined the race for Ty Dillon and, and, uh, and that race car and that race team and – Man, you got to show up to work ready to do your job. And if the battery wasn't all the way charged, or if it was all the way charged, it doesn't matter. It died, and he didn't spot, and he wrecked his race car. TJ. Man, I got to go spot off. This is just something that you can't have happen. Obviously, we ran the Daytona 500, and I'm, that was just the Xfinity race. And surely you would have had to change the battery in the Daytona 500 at some point. So 
you know, he should have been aware of the situation because I'm sure he's had to change the battery at some point this year. I would hope so. I mean, I would think anyway. Um, I think, uh, yeah, this is just, just stuff that, and this, like you said, an experience as a spotter kind of, you, you got to be aware of these things. It always seems like the only time a radio battery ever goes dead is on a restart. Oh, 100%. And I swear there's something up there that, that just knows, knows. when that knows when you, I right, green, 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 beep, beep. Like, are you serious? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And so there's, uh, they never, never just decide to beep on a long run when everything's spread out and you can swap a battery on a straightaway real easily. No, it never no, works never. like that. It's always on a restart. So I'm, th- I think the radio's fixed now. I think you can have them radios reprogrammed so they beep. So hopefully, that's an expensive, that's an expensive mistake. Yeah, I mean. Just so so the backstory is JGR as a company uses Kenwood radio. I, I, all of us, I think, or ninety five percent of us use the Motorola EX six hundred. Um, and it's, like Brett said, it beeps. It gives you a warning when you're down to a bar or something. So you you know even when it starts beeping, you got a few laps to change it. But um, you know it's just one of these deals where uh, I looked at Drew's radio or Stevie Rees have been having the same issue. Um, leading up to this race, and they were trying to get it figured out where Stevie said, same thing, in the middle of a run, you know, I forget, at Homestead, I guess, it was just, you know, my battery, like the radio just quit working. He says, and then there was no warning, no nothing. So then Stevie had them add, the radio didn't even have a display for the battery like ours does. You know what I mean? Where like our our EX600s have a a little battery on there, like your phone would, where, you know, there's a couple bars that work its way down. And this thing didn't even have one of them, so you're on, you're in like no man's land, and, and you got to realize that going into it. But you know, and I talked to Lambert a little bit about it, and he said the batteries, the the output on the Kenwoods is a lot higher, so the batteries don't last as long. He said it's probably a hundred laps less if you you know head to head, you know, with the EX600 battery versus that one. So I can understand why it went dead. If you know, it's, and I think that again, in experience, Drew's thinking, yeah, I had to change it in the 500, but I'm, it's an Xfinity race. I should be able to get through the Xfinity race. And he got to the end. I think there was only 15, 20 to go when this happened, whatever it was. But like Brett said, it's just inexperience on his part. You know, obviously the easiest thing to do is I, I don't switch the channels. I just switch my ports on that right side because it's the same channel. So I just pop one port out, put the other one in, and now I'm back on channel one. I still have my channel two to talk to the crew chief. But, um, yeah, just, you know, I hate it for Drew. Like Brett said, he's a great guy, good buddy of mine. Um, and just got caught up in in the in no man's land and kind of panicked a little bit and and like Brett said the REX 600s you can pop a battery in and out of that thing in three yeah. seconds. I haven't looked yet, but I heard there's you know more intricate parts on that Kenwood where it's a little bit harder to get changed out. So just but here's uh, the thing, man. So last year Stuart Haas came to me and they said, hey, we got this new high tech radio we want you to use. And I put it on and the very first lap we were at Daytona we rolled out for practice and I was like, I hate this radio because it had an echo in it, right? You got to find what works and you got to stick with it. Drew manned up right here and he owned it, right? He has not tried to run from it. He's told the truth about it. Hey, my radio died. I first didn't believe it, Freddie, because I would never, ever spot with a radio that's not going to warn me that it's dying. So when he said my radio died, I was like, oh, that doesn't happen. How can that happen? Obviously, it did happen. So spot on to him for manning up. But, Drew, man, uh, you got a lot of peers up there. You got questions. You need to ask the veterans how to handle those situations and, and problem solve it because what you did didn't work, dude. Sorry. I got to give him credit. I don't know if you saw it yet, but did you see his retweet of your tweet yesterday? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> Brett said, who's our leader this week for one idiot? And, and Drew retweeted it with a guy raising his hand. <laughs> yeah. He never, in Drew's defense, he never 
should have been given a radio. He shouldn't have yeah. been ever put in that situation. I think. I think so. What happened here was um, Clayton had all his own stuff. So everybody asks this question all the time: Who you know who has the radios? Are they your radios? Are they somebody else's radios? So like I own all mine. I don't know about you, but I guess Clayton had his stuff from Furniture Row. So he brought his stuff with him to do the 19 and then left and took his stuff with him. So they had to get all new stuff, and the new stuff they got is a little bit different than what they had gotten for Lambert and, and Hirsch and them guys. So now they're trying to work the bugs out, and unfortunately this is a, this is a costly mistake. It's a $150,000 bug. Yep. Spot on, spot off, NASCAR selected the best road course racers in Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, and Martin Truex Jr. for the tire test at COTA. Brett. Did Tyler not see Brad run Daytona road course? I think, uh, look, I know where Tyler's coming from. He wants to be the guy down there filling out the tire and getting first dibs on the racetrack. And I think it's very unfortunate that that some of those highly successful road racers got to do that. But if you're Goodyear, you want feedback about the tire. Who's going to give you better feedback, Quinn Huff or Martin Truex Jr.? Right? So I, I, I understand where Tyler's coming from, unfortunately – we need Goodyear to take the best tire option that we, that we can have available, and I think those drivers probably give you that ability to do that. Yeah, I mean, you can't – as a tire test, you can't just make – you know, obviously the answer, everybody's going to say, oh, just you should have just made it open test for everybody. But you can't do that because you don't know what tire you're running. Goodyear's bringing different option tires to, to, to test out there, so you don't you can't bring enough of every tire for the whole – you know, whoever wants to show up, one team per organization or something. Um, and then package, too. They were working on the package to see which package is better. So you, you need the guys that know what they're doing. You don't want to stick a guy that's already chasing his tail on a road course trying to figure out what package and what tire to run. So I agree that, you know, while it would be nice if we had a, you know, everybody got a chance to go test now, maybe not them guys go or something. Um, but, yeah, with, with what you're trying to accomplish there, you need the best guys out there. From my understanding, too, there wasn't any team uh, data on the cars Maybe there was. I don't. But I. I don't. I don't. I don't think the teams were allowed to do stuff like that. It was strictly, um, you know, a test for the the Goodyear and them, and they weren't there that long either. I also think we have practice there. We do. I, so we, we yeah. can I can I just say that there's a really easy solution here. We can take and make this a really fun event. We can use retired drivers for this. So what they should have done is taken Jimmy Johnson, taken a guy from Fox, which is Clint Boyer. He just got out of these cars. And go get freaking Jeff Burton, who is in the NBC booth, or go get Dale Jr. Take one guy from each network because they're going to be the ones commentating and speaking to these cars as we're watching these races. And take a guy like Jimmy Johnson that's a badass and just got out of the car. You don't have to give these guys an upper hand, which is what Tyler Reddick has an issue with, and he's absolutely right about it. But we're trying to develop the tire. Like Freddie said, we'll go to these places, Casey, and they'll say, hey, we're going to go out and run five laps on this set, three laps on this set, ten laps on this set. Let's qualify run on this set. Like Goodyear tells you exactly what you're going to do, and they limit what changes you can make to the cars because they're trying not to give these teams and drivers an advantage. But at the end of the day, these drivers got reps on Coda before anybody else did, and they are already at an advantage, and we hadn't even got there. Yes, to TJ's point, we have practice. But while everybody else is out there getting acclimated to the track, and their rhythm and their memorization of where, where the apexes are in all these corners, these guys already know that. And I do believe that Reddick's right on that. It is BS, and there is a way to fix it, and I just told you how to do it. Well, Brett is always right, so. There are a list of drivers, though. I mean, David Reagan, Clint Boyer, Jimmy, all these guys are sitting there that could go and do it. 
they probably would do it. Good idea. That's first first one ever. <laughs> We interrupt this Door Bumper Clear podcast to give you this great, important message from Filter Time. Dude, it's been two years since you actually joined the business with Blake Cook, who's a, you know, a racer, somebody that I didn't personally know at the time. I don't know how well you did, but man, in two years, this business has really flourished between the two of you guys. I know. Uh, so Blake came to me and said, hey, I want to start this company. He was just getting out of the race car and trying to create a business. So he told me the story. He's like, man, I was going to go to the store and buy some air filters and I ended up going to the store and buying about $150 worth of stuff and no air filters. I got home and I didn't even have what I went to go for. And he's right, man. I've, I mean, being a bachelor for many years, being responsible for changing air filters in my house and knowing what happens when you don't and how nasty they get, I thought, man, that's a great idea. Why, you know, why isn't there a subscription program out there or some company that can give you, uh, just ship them to your door? Dale, tell them how they can get to it. Go to filtertime.com slash Dale Jr. All right? Filtertime.com slash Dale Jr. And first-time customers can get 20% off their first order. All right, time for my favorite segment of the week, Reaction Theater. 2019, Bubba Wallace was like, hey, I'm going to spin and cause a caution. Last year, Matt Kinsella was like, hey, hold my beard. Friday night, Kyle Busch was like, F- that, hold my case of f***ing beer. Can NASCAR fix this, please? This is stupid. I don't disagree. <laughs> Next one. I, I know y'all kept getting confused, mainly Brett, but uh, did Joey think we were in Phoenix as well? Because I don't remember him like being a factor at all in, in anything. <laughs> I don't know. It's time y'all clap back at the dinner download. Y'all are taking it easy on them. Uh, y'all need to bring the heat. I like That's it. Funny. Somebody asked me a spotter question, and I said something about Phoenix. And they were like, hey, we're in Vegas. I was like, dang, I don't even know what track we're going to this week. <laughs> we did leave some laps. We just weren't up there for the win. That's all. It happened. You guys sucked. That was my DBC yeah. pick. You suck. It happens. That's probably why. And that true. Dillner download sucks. What a terrible thing. <laughs> 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 Call number three. I don't care what anybody says. I love watching Jason's man crush, Cal Bougie, <laughs> racing this truck series. Watching him come from the back twice is pretty amazing. This dude can really drive. And that's why NASCAR didn't do nothing about it, because they want the show. Jason, was that your roommate? <laughs> uh, I think, honestly, that was Jason. I just think he had one of them yeah, voice disguisers. That voice disguiser thing. He just smoked a cigarette and made his voice that nice and right. I like how you said Kyle Bougie, too. You really got creative. Good job, Man Jason. I don't get crush. it. Call number four. Hey, Freddie. If Denny can do no wrong... How come he can't get you guys an engine that doesn't blow up every f***ing week? Maybe him or MJ should pony up some money and get you guys an engine like the rest of JGR. I'm really confused. <laughs> I, we haven't had a motor problem yet that I'm aware of. But maybe I'm Maybe wrong. he saw you at the bar in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> right before you blew yours. Oh. Maybe he was talking about the other kind of motor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Hey, TJ, you requested all the Joey Logano fans, so the Calvary has arrived. But uh, Cody Ware is a idiot. I don't know how someone that terrible gets out onto the track. I mean, the guy couldn't even drive a damn go-kart, so those guys shouldn't be allowed on the track. Peace. Um, that sounded like Kale Kane, Casey Kane's brother. <laughs> it did a little bit, yeah. Um, so the backstory behind this, did you see it? Uh-uh. With a handful of laps to go in the race, 
right after the last pit stop, right, uh, maybe what was that, 20, 30 till the end? Yeah. We're Pat. We we just catch Bowman, and we're we just we're racing, and we're trying to make a pass in three and four, and Cody Ware's in the bottom. Well, Bowman gets by him, and we're just getting on the outside of him, and he just starts coming up like we're not even there. And he about runs us right into the fence off a of four. And it, like, I honestly thought we were wrecking. So that's where this comes They're, from. Oh, man. They minimum, weren't. Like, minimum speed was questionable again yesterday. My, my, like, my question is like, there's so many guys that go down to the corner and they just run that line where you don't know exactly where they're going to go. Yeah. And we've had this happen before with obviously Kyle Bush in the one. But, you know, it, like, why not just run the bottom and be out of the way? Because when you when you run up the racetrack, guys need the racetrack up off the corner with their momentum and stuff. And when you when you're right in the way like that, that's when like it becomes that's when you're in the way. If you're just rolling around the bottom and everybody can kind of go around the top and and do things like that, and it just makes it a lot easier. But this was a very very close call. Looks like Cody had a handling issue there and. We almost paid that analysis, TJ, of when you're in the way like that, you're in the way, maybe the best analysis you've ever given. That was pretty solid. Well, I mean, he wasn't lying. <laughs> you, you don't want to break your momentum. These cars are momentum, man. When you have to lift, you're in trouble. And when you run up on a car, Denny caught one while he was leading the race at, at one point off of turn four. Or, or, I can't remember what corner it was, but you don't, that's a bad spot, man, when you got to lift off the corner. It just gives the guy behind you a, a run that he didn't really do anything to get, you know? So it takes a half a lap to get it back to get the momentum back up. And most time a spot too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Next one is from Jamie. Well, TJ, I guess things are so much different now. Only thing different is that old Kyle Larson's in a Hendrick car and he laid it to that ass. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Again, hard I mean, to disagree with. It's not surprising i mean it i i will say that you put kyle larson in a car that's fast the fastest car in the field he's gonna win the race i mean he should win the race did that guy say you suck yep he said you suck yeah <laughs> i mean i picked him to win homestead what do you have to say back to that guy he said you suck dude he's never mind <laughs> huh? the jacket's coming off blood pressure's, <laughs> yeah. blood pressure's getting hot no listen <laughs> i've learned to tune I've learned the tune, uh, guys like that out since uh, since you changed two, teams. Yeah, since about 2018. <laughs> <laughs> your uh, Jamie, your comments uh, falling on deaf, hurt deaf ears here. So <laughs> I don't appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was I was in a, uh, I was engaged with a physician assistant at some point, and this this guy tweeted and said. I'd, you know, Brett, you wish you made as much money as she does. <laughs> I was like, man, these people, they're so knowledgeable. Like, they have no idea what they don't know. That's true. That was funny. Jamie, you don't know. Sh- damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get you to say. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, Jamie, you're just, you're just pointing out the obvious. Kind of like the guy says we blew motors every week. Yeah. Hey, Jamie, why don't you call back and tell us who's going to win next week since you know everything? I'll tell you what, with 10 to go, I knew Larson was going to win. <laughs> I think I knew with 200 to go. <laughs> no, you, you get my reference. <laughs> oh, <I know>. yeah. <laughs> First of all, I wouldn't be a true Canadian if I didn't apologize for my cussing of Brett out uh, last week. I'm sorry, but uh, you said no cussing. Well, f- I just felt like it. I think we need to get rid of this 550 horse package. We got it. I hate to give TJ credit here because his ego is already big enough as it is. 
strip the damn spoilers off. Let's have 750 horsepower. Let's let her eat tater chip. Holla! <laughs> Is that the first Canadian holler in history? Mm, that might. It, it would have been better if he did like a holla. Holla. <laughs> holla. Let her eat tater chip. Is that what yeah. the f- he said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's your boy. Um, there's a swear jar here. You might be virtual, but just keep that in mind. Yeah. All right, I'll Venmo it to you. My account, please. Thanks. All right. I don't even have that. Guy's right, that guy's right, though. That guy's right, man. The Canadian has a point. Let's knock the spoiler off and put the horsepower sure. back in him. Well, these are always a classic. To leave an audio message 24-7, go to anchor.fm backslash door bumper clear and click the message icon. We'll play the best ones each week on the show. Offer pad question of the week. What was the process like picking out your current home? Did you look at a bunch of different ones before choosing this one? Did you build it? Tell us. Man, I uh, I was living in Denver, North Carolina, and decided to move to Mooresville because my kids were so busy and Mooresville and stuff. And Highway 150 sucks. In case any of y'all have never been to Mooresville, do not ever get on River Highway because it is terrible. Uh, and I actually looked at about 60 houses before I settled on the one that I bought. And uh, you know, but I'm looking for a, a house with uh, three kids, and my sister lives with me. She's in a wheelchair, so. It's not easy to go out there and just find the right home, but we did. And we knocked a couple walls down, did some remodeling, and Freddie helped me move in my fish tank, and here we are. The hell with that fish tank. <laughs> um, we did the same thing. Me and, Liv- me and Megan, we moved down here. We lived in an apartment in Concord, Kannapolis area. And um, I don't know, two or three years ago, I decided I was going to buy a house. And we walked, we went around, looked at a bunch of houses, and everything was kind of, I don't know, 10 to 15 years old, and it was in our price range. And I was actually um, – you know, just looking around and figured out that it was probably better off to, I didn't want to buy something, didn't have to dump a bunch of money into it a few years down the road. So we ended up just building a house. It was kind of the same price points. And now luck and Megan got to pick all the stuff she wanted. So that very was, important. that was very important for her. Let's and be honest here's here. The cool part, John though, picked The coolest part that. is <laughs> Freddie went on to offerpad.com and listed his house and put his information in and they made him an offer $30,000 more than what he paid for his home. So all of you people that are listening, that's where OfferPad can be a huge tool and a great valuation because OfferPad came in and said, hey, Freddie, you paid this for your house. We're going to give you 30000 more. So did it's you a tell awesome Megan we're moving, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Megan, surprise. Yeah, did you tell Megan? That, yeah, but she's going to find out about 5 yeah. o'clock tonight, I guess. I would be more con- <laughs> I'd be more concerned about John because it sounds like John spends more time in that house than anybody. <laughs> he does. <laughs> John's he's gonna be a professional eye racer pretty soon. I I I don't know if that's he's working to be professional something. <laughs> Not really sure what yet. <laughs> TJ, tell us yours. Oh, I knew I was over. Uh, we looked at about when we found out we were gonna have Stella. We start we need another bedroom, so we started looking really close to where we were. We walked in this house, and my wife goes, "This is my dream home." It was over from that point. You were done. I, I didn't, <laughs> was it, did, it did not matter. From that point, about time you made her dreams like come true. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. First so that, that that is a good point. Now I can always say that, Chad. Uh, if you are listening, take notes. Oh no, Chad. If you were she listening, she got her dream guy and her dream house. Lucky her, now, <laughs> Chad. Put your damn foot down. Okay, turn off the show, Chad. Don't listen to it. <laughs> hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, 
The best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. It's time for Fastlane, our weekly segment where we expose the intelligence levels of our panel of spotters by having them compete in a speed trivia contest. Brett, you are up first. Which car scored the most points on Sunday? Denny Hamlin. No. Where was Kyle Larson's last cup win before Sunday? Texas. What did TJ do at his first job? (laughs) Dig ditches. What does a dog do? Give hand jobs. (laughs) (laughs) It might might be applicable. (laughs) Uh, What does a dog do that a man steps into? Oop. What? (laughs) 1,000 times 1,000. 1 million. All right, Brad. Kislowski scored the most points on Sunday. Larson last one at Dover. TJ's first jobs included bailing hay, mowing grass, shoveling snow. Maybe what you said too, but he can answer to that. (laughs) And a dog. What does a dog do that a man steps into? Pants. I thought he might have worked in like one of those pedicure manicure salons, Jason. I didn't know. Yeah. You know, just trying to trying to be honest with you guys. I, mean, I, mean, I certainly don't see him ever bailing hay and throwing fifty pound bales of hay onto a tractor and a trailer. That that one definitely shocked me. Brett wants to arm wrestle at some point too, doesn't he? Clearly. Probably. This has happened before. Freddie, you ready? Sure. How many points did Bubba Wallace score on Sunday? Uh nine. <laughs> Who finished last on Sunday? Eric Amarola. What did Brett do at his first job? Uh, textile plant. Stripping. Uh, stripper. <laughs> yes, how did you know? I said it first, okay? <laughs> what city was the first automobile race in America held in? Indianapolis. Uh, how many brains does an octopus have? One. We've already done this one. No, you did. It's eight. We've already been on the show. No. I think no. you did hearts yeah. before. Octopus has nine and brains. And that's tentacles. Uh, Freddy what, got, is, what is that with your octopus freaking It's obsession? a great animal. It's an obsession. Didn't we Didn't we start well, talking about what the plural of octopus was? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what? <laughs> yes. And I got well, we also. <laughs> what color is it? Jason edited every bit of that. I was the best show we've ever done. We took it all out. Because we had a I huge was right debate. And I knew how to say octopuses, and he did. I'll leave it in now because we know it's right. It was a big debate on the color. Um, like, I think I think we I need they to were do. Gray. Can we do a segment where we just play know. clips from all the segments that were 
cut out of the no. show. The last show we could do that. I mean, honestly, <laughs> we could the probably last create, show like, ever. <laughs> There's a reason they're cut out. The last show. All right, Brett's first job was throwing watermelons. The first automobile race in America was held in Chicago, and we said octopus has nine brains. Freddie's got two out of six. TJ, you ready? How many laps did Joey Logano lead on Sunday? Seven. Name the last year Joey Logano didn't lead a lap in a race at Las Vegas. 2017. Ooh, sad. What store did Freddie work at his first job? Uh, mechanic. What store? Oh, what store? I didn't hear it. Um, uh, Kmart. <laughs> Name a planet without a moon. Mars. How many track events are in a decathlon? Six. Ten. Nine. Uh, yeah. One answer. All right. Freddie wins. He got two right. TJ uh, only got one right. Logano last didn't lead a lap in a Vegas race in 2013. Freddie's first job was at Toys R Us. <laughs> Sounds about right. That is awesome. I rode Jeffrey around the park. What'd you do? Lot. Dress up as a Teddy Ruskin bear and stand out front? <laughs> I just can't picture you working at Toys R Us, man. I was young. I was like, I don't know, 14 maybe. It was Christmas time. So it was just one of them. Cleaning up after the disaster. You never, you don't, you ain't never seen what a Toys oh, R Us looks yeah. like at closing time yeah. on Christmas. I'll bet. Ugh. I'll be, how much did you uh, make doing the watermelons? Four dollars an hour. It sucked. Were they like in? Were they in like truckloads and stuff or what? So you had a tractor and you had a trailer. And you had six rows on each side. And I drove a tractor when I was young. And I, all I wanted to do was get off the tractor and load watermelons. And then I figured out that it was a whole lot easier to drive the tractor. But you threw, I mean, like you would go, some days you'd pick 12 to 15 pounds, 15 and up, just depending on what you were what you were doing. But then you'd load them into freaking, you go off the trailer, you go load them at the farmer's market into containers, which is the back of a tractor trailer. Yeah. Man, you ain't never been so hot in July. Shoot, man. You're getting them top of them barns when you're bailing hay and there's no air up there. It's pretty hot. Time for what an idiot. What an idiot, man. Why, whoever threw the caution for Kyle Busch spinning out wings this week? Because I was sitting there watching this on TV and my blood pressure went through the roof because we let one guy be selfish, change the entire outcome of the race. And I'm sorry, spinning out on purpose is no different no matter when it happens or how it happens. It is one person changing the outcome of the race and NASCAR is going to have to look at this. It's come time. Sorry. What an idiot. DJ. Man, I'm going to roll with the guy that volunteered, Drew. <laughs> I mean, he wanted it, so I'll give it to him this week. <laughs> Sorry, Drew. I got a lot of people on my what an idiot list. Damn, you had a fun race then. <laughs> yeah, no. It, there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 20-ish on there. Probably like 10 legit wow. 10 start, legit ones. You're starting to sound like Doug. Now, it's, uh, it's every guy that's a team owner in the sport not named Rick Hendrick because he was the only one smart enough to go hire Kyle Larson. Yeah. <laughs> All right, time okay. for DVC picks. That, 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 did, <laughs> did I scare people there? I mean, is that, not, is that not agreeable? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that had a chance to go get that guy, and there was only one that did it. So I agree. I'll give one idiot to all the rest of them. <laughs> well, and, and look, there were probably only two in a garage that really would have taken the chance and be able to afford it because, as you see on that race car, for the majority of the time, it is a Rick Hendrick-owned company, and there's only two guys that really do that in our sport and do it well in terms of being able to go out there and compete to win a lot of races and championships. That's Rick Hendrick and Gene Haas. So, um, I mean, I think it came down to those two teams. I think Kyle Larson was going in the 48 all along. I think You so know, too. unfortunately, what, what, what he did last year um, to get himself suspended just – 
probably made him a stronger person, made him a better person. And, and look, he all his mistakes. He came back from it. And, and I mean, we told you guys last year, there was a top secret meeting. Who do you think that was with? Like, if you listen to our podcast middle of last summer, I think you figured out by the end of the summer who the meeting was with. So, um, uh, again, uh, we said it last week on the show, Kyle Larson is probably the best driver in the world right now. Time for DBC picks. After Vegas, Brett, you finally won. Did I? That's yes. awesome. We are now picking so first. I got, I got to pick last or I get to pick first. You get to so pick long since I won, last. I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, yes. we, were neck and, we were neck and neck up there, but like back and forth with this. Byron and Blaney were kind of back and forth around the top five. Freddie, who you got? Alex Bowman. Hmm. Well, that's who I was going to pick. Hometown. <laughs> TJ. Let's see here. I think I am going to go with... I'll take Denny Hamlin. What a great pick. Chase Elliott. I mean, we're all... Nobody picked Harvick? Did you see him this week? <laughs> but it's even, Phoenix. Even Did the you last, see him in the last race there? Even the last race there, he wasn't that uh, good. Okay, well, I mean, racing, technically, Brett should dominate this one. I don't, I mean, racing is evolving. If Chase Elliott doesn't win this race, then I'm going to be pissed off because he was half a second faster than the field. And there's no chance that over three months and without testing and without qualifying and practice that he's going to go back and not be that good. If he does, then man, his crew chief's a genius. So if he doesn't win, is he going to win the award with you? What an idiot. Probably. <laughs> well, anything else you want to rant about as we head into Phoenix? Uh, I, I, I'm just curious how this race plays out. I mean, I think we've seen some – I mean, man, I, I don't know that I've ever seen the racing be this good across all three series as it's been this year. And and here we go to the place where our championship race is going to be run. And as exciting as Homestead was, obviously Daytona is exciting. Obviously the road course was great. But Vegas was a nice surprise for me on the excitement level. Like, if we go to Phoenix and it's not as exciting, I think it puts NASCAR in a box and says, hey, you got to move that championship weekend in 2022 to somewhere else because this race, it has a lot to live up to right now. I mean, when when we go back and we're going to grade it against the first four weeks of the year, Phoenix had better step it up, man. I don't know if that's a rules package thing, if it's a tire thing. It's obvious the drivers are driving their guts out. We had 14 lead changes in the first stage yesterday. And those guys were three and four wide the minute they dropped the green. It looked like they were coming back to the checker every single lap that first stage. So um, I hope the Phoenix is is not a uh, single-file track like we've seen it be in the past. I hope they've been out there and did some things to make it a better race. But, man, uh, what a great start to the season for, for us as a sport and all these different winners. I think it's awesome. Could you imagine our last races in Vegas? What a disaster that imagine would turn a, into. Imagine a green-wide checker for the championship I'm just in talking, Vegas. I'm not talking about anything on the racetrack. <laughs> Uh (laughs) well as always thank you all for listening and thank you to our thank you for thank you for showing up offer pad i only showed up because i knew brett wasn't going to be here so brett i like you better virtually love you you're great I'm but ready. I'm ready. I'll see you guys sunbathing pictures later on our I'm, private chat. <laughs> so if see you guys our, have any picture requests, let me know. I'm ready to see our off pad buddies on the track this week. I know Brett's coming out there. They got hospitality. We're gonna go down and see some of them guys. So uh, I'll, I'll drag TJ with me. Come say hi. But uh, yeah, just uh, just pumped to see off pad on the track this week and hope they have a good run. They got they picked the hell of a guy to do it with. So oh yeah, absolutely. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's why I picked him to win. I mean, it the paint scheme looks awesome. 
Props. It is a beautiful race car. So thank um, you guys. We out. Hey, oh. hey, thank you to everyone who commented on uh, Chloe's video saying that it looked like Brett and Freddie Casey. after a long night. <laughs> Why don't you call off her pad or go to their website and surprise Chad with Just what your house. house is worth? I should. Tell Chad, this is what our house is worth. Look how much money we can make on it right now. I should. You go to OfferPad. Just buy don't, one. Yeah, and don't become – no, don't be a Karen. Don't like be a Karen. <laughs> don't be a Karen like you like he said you were being. Um, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> what is wrong? You're probably in the, show. in the show. I'm just saying. Yeah, clearly. I'm just saying if you want to push the envelope here, show them that you could make OfferPad's offering us this money here. Look what we can make. I mean, don't tempt me because I will. I'm and then I'll find you. a house, I'm tempting you right a house now. on the water. I told him he can buy a house with uh, a shop in the back if that's what he wants. Oh, you told him, huh? I did. <laughs> Didn't work. Somebody put their foot down. Yes, yeah. I'm going to go on offer pad because I think that's a great idea. All right. For me, Freddie. I just think Chad has to realize he's more worried about where his race car sleep than he is his baby. And he needs to get his priorities together and get oh. you a house. Chad's being a Chad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chad is going to kill me for... Chad, quit being a Chad. Chad, <laughs> Chad the race cars pay for the house. You do whatever you need to do with the race cars. Casey, you can end the show and stop it. It's all to All right. Have a great week. Thank she you all for listening. It. Chad, I really hope you did not listen to the show this week. Thank you. See ya. See y'all next week. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.